Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Um, tomorrow, February 1st, we'll start New Song Family, Family Church's 10th uh, annual fasting. Can you believe that? 10 years, uh, 10 times that we will have done this. How many of you, raise your hand, if you have been a part of New Song's uh, annual fast before? Okay, see there's most of you. And so also there are some of you who have not. So you're going, what is she talking about? And if you're watching online, what is she talking about? And so hopefully at the end of this that you will have more of an understanding, but we will be praying through uh, the month of February uh, for specific things as a church, but also as an uh, individual. What do you have that you want God to show up in? Uh, I sit there as I was preparing, and I've been, I study prayer all the time, and I have books and books and books, and I read and uh, talk to God about it all the time. When the disciples said, Jesus teaches how to pray, I think that is the way we're supposed to come to God and say, would you teach me how to pray? And so I um, study it constantly because I want to know Jesus. I want to know him better. And I want to know um, what he has to tell me more and more and more. And the more I learn about prayer, the more I uh, long to know his heart, the more I long to know uh, his will, the more I don't need for him to give me stuff, but that I just know him. And knowing him, I think, is so, so important. Uh, and that's what he would want us to do, is to know him better and better and better. When we look at, uh, I started a fast for us, uh, I think two years ago, I was looking back, and um, in Joel chapter 2, verse 15, says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, I declare a holy fast, call a sacred assemble. Blow the trumpet in Zion to announce the fast. Blow the trumpet and call a holy fast of a sacred assembly. So when we go in to this uh, month of fasting, if you're like me, and this is your 10th year to be doing this, then I, this was a, such a, a wonderful passage that I read uh, in Isaiah chapter 58 because I think we can get ho-hum, here comes the annual fast. And I have talked to many of you, a lot of you have, since we started this, you don't just do the February fasting. Fasting is now a part of your prayer life, and you have uh, put it into a, on a regular basis. There are several of you have already heard but you're already involved in fasting now uh, before we've come to this because you had some very specific things that you couldn't wait for. You needed to start earlier and get on it and start begging God for some other things and talking to God about other things. So when we see this, we think, okay, here we go again, number 10, and you can just not take it as seriously as you did the first time. And so we look at chapter 58 of Isaiah and God's message through Isaiah to his people. And I hope that you will actually look at this today and say, this is God's message to me. 
Say it with me. This is God's message to me. Say that. This is God's message to me. This isn't just to the Israelites. Today, he is talking to you and to me. And so don't just let this be Old Testament something and you just kind of pass it over. How does this apply to you? What is God's message to you? And there is something here for you because there was so much for me as I was reading this. The very first verse says, Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to their, the descendants of Jacob their sins. Do you see that comparison? It's interesting to me because when I just read the Joel 2, he says, blow the trumpet of Zion and declare a fast. This one starts out with, shout it out loud and do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. God is angry. And he is telling Isaiah to shout this to his people. I think when we look at that start of this chapter, He's pretty serious about this. This is not to be taken casually as we look at what God is about to say to them and to, do, to you and to me. There's a huge problem. He's shouting it. You think about, I raised four children, and I would tell my children, do not go near the street. And, you know, in America, we don't have walls, and so a kid can get into the street if you take your eyes off of them pretty quickly. But you say, do not go near the street. And you say it over and over and come back. You're getting too close to the street. But if you take your eyes off, and I say that, I would say it just like that. Do not go near the street. Get back. Come back over this way. But then when you look up and they're in the street, I'm not going, Jeremy, come back. Come back now. No, I'm going, get out of the street. I mean, I shout it. It's important. It's urgent. And God is saying, this is urgent. I want this to be shouted to my people. Verse 2, it says, for day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you all please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Now, look at those verses, and I want you to see there's some things that are really great in this. So let's look at those. You've, number one, for, the de, for day after day, they seek me out. Is there anything wrong with that? Nothing. Day after day, you and I should be seeking the Lord out. They also seem eager to know the Lord. They also seem eager to know his ways. Awesome. We should be eager to know God as if they were a nation that does what's right and has not forsaken the commands of his God. So you and I, that's an awesome thing, to be obedient to God's commands and what he's telling us to do. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them, seeking God's advice, seeking God's wisdom for decisions you need to make. Wonderful. That's not a negative. It's wonderful. But then they ask, why have we fasted? and you have not seen it. 
fasting's good. But why has God not seen that? And why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Do you know I've had people say that to me many times? I have fasted and prayed. In fact, I'm not going to do it anymore because things seem to get worse when I do that. Have you experienced that? Have things gotten worse when you fasted and prayed? They have for me. I've seen that over and over again. I've looked back this week on my fasting and praying journals and read some of the things. And I, I have in uh, 2016, I had written there praying for my dad's eyes, for his eyesight. And my dad now is legally blind. He barely can see. That was one of the things I begged God for that year, is that God would heal my dad's eyes. He can't see at all. And, and so that did not get better. That got so much worse. And I was just looking at it uh, Friday and thinking on, huh, that one never came true. But you know what? As I sat there looking at it, I said, but you know what, Jesus? One day my dad's going to see again. One day my dad won't be blind. And I know you're going to give him his sight back one day. And so I trust him. Might not be here, but one day my dad will see again. And God will answer that prayer request for me. He says to us that while we are fasting, we do just as we please. I think that's a really big deal for us. Do not do business as usual this month. What are we going to change about ourselves and our routine this month? You do as you please. You exploit all your workers, people that work for you. How are you treating them? How are you treating co-workers? How are you treating your family? How are you treating these different people? It says your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and even in striking each other. Have you ever heard the term hangry? Hungry and angry? I think they're talking about people that just get downright hangry. They're fasting and they're getting mad about it. We need to ask God as we're fasting that he keeps our emotions intact that we don't start striking out verbally our fists too, that we ask God that we fast in a holy fast, a way that he can, can hear our fast. He says, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your, your voice to be heard by God. So we come to him and you think, I am fasting, God, I'm doing this. Why are you not listening? This is our check place. He says, you can't do it like this. It's coming. Why are our prayers not answered? What is God honestly bothered by? In Zechariah 7, 12 through 13, it says, they made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, said the Lord Almighty. That's a good place to start. When we sit before God, is he pleased with us? When I come to him, is there something he's saying, we need to deal with something else, Dana? You're asking for your dad's eyes to be healed, but there's this sin that you are doing every day. Let's deal with that. Is God saying that to you? You want to talk to me? Let's deal with some areas first so I can hear your prayers. 
God wants more of, of us than us just making requests to him. He wants us talking to him about everything. I don't know if you have learned that yet, but learn to talk to God about everything. Talk. Just talk to him. I laugh with God all the time. I think God's funny. I think, he, I think he's funny because I pray about things and things happen and I laugh what God is doing. I think God is awesome and I tell him so. I cry to God so many times because he overwhelms me. I love Namibia when it fills the dams and the lakes fill up with so much water that the sluice gates have to start opening up to let some out. These are mine right here. And I have so much emotion, just like the dams are being full. It has to come out somewhere. I will actually explode. And so I cry a lot with being overwhelmed by my Heavenly Father, by a double rainbow in front of my house last week. How amazing was that? By the night jar, praising God as the sun is setting. He overwhelms me, and he moves me to tears so, so often. God tells us what the problem is. And God asks this question in verse 5. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Think about that. If we say to God, I'm going to humble myself before you for the next 28 days, and then the rest of the year I'm going to do whatever I want, would God appreciate my 28 days? Would he say, what in the world was that about? Where have you been all the rest of the year? Why would God listen to us if we're doing this to him? And he says, if it's only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes, basically doing without feeling uncomfortable, is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this what we would call a fast? Does Jesus find what I'm doing acceptable? Does he see a humbled heart? Does he see someone that is longing to know him more and more? In Micah 6, verses 6 through 8, I have always loved these verses. What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow down before God Most High with offerings and yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No. O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. Read this with me. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Do you hear that? So what has God required of us? Let's say it again. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So all these other things we do, they're an also. These are the first. To, to do what's right, to be obedient to God's word, to love mercy, to treat each other like God would have us to treat each other, and to be so humbled by the presence of our Heavenly Father. And then God says, you don't have to wonder what I'm looking for. He tells us in the next verses, you don't have to try to figure out what kind of fast I'm wanting. He says in, in verse 6 there, 
Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Do you see what's in there? That for the oppressed to be set free, you know, we have a world that still enslaves people, that still steals people and sends them away into slavery. We have a world, you know, you and I live in a free country and we forget that there are places that take people away and enslave them and use them and abuse them. Do we pray for that? Do we do what we can for those kind of people? Do we untie the cords of the yoke that set the oppressed free? And you can look at this as sin, addiction, things like that. Do you walk with someone who's really struggling, who has a problem? Oh, they're hard to walk with, aren't they? But do we walk with them? Do we pray with them? Do we believe for them? And do we continue begging God for their freedom as they're coming? Do we share our food with the hungry? Do we purposely share our food? Do we have anybody hungry in Namibia? We do. We have more and more. You're seeing them more and more, aren't you? Out on the corners. They're everywhere. Do we share our food? Do we share our, our clothing? Do we share shelter? Do we take time for our own flesh and blood? Ooh, sometimes that's probably harder than working with a stranger, isn't it? Loving your own flesh and blood. To love your family, that's difficult. I don't know if any of you have difficult families, but some of you do, I think. Some of you have some that you have to... <laughs> Rico's losing it. <laughs> some of us have families that it is only through Jesus Christ that we can love them the way God has called us to love them. And God is saying, do not turn away from your own family. Is your family lost? Does your family need Jesus? Are these the ones God's going to burden your heart with for this year? That they know Jesus? Would that be the goal of this year, that you beg God that your family would know Jesus? Then, and I love this, it has the then in the next verses. Then God says, I'm going to show up. He says, then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. I like that. I like the glory of the Lord walking right here behind me, guarding my back is what he's saying. God's glory is going to guard our backs. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. Then you will cry for help, and he will say what? Here I am. Ah, oh, love it. Don't you love that verse? Then I will cry to the Lord, and he's going to go, yeah, Dana, here I am. I mean, I think about that all the time. My mom, I would used to, when I was a child, I'd go, Mom, and she'd go, woo-hoo. That was always her answer, woo-hoo. So I would know where she was. That was her, here I am. God is saying, woo-hoo, to those who are giving themselves fully and completely to him. Another if follows this. 
If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, that is judgment and gossip. Hello? Judgment and gossip. Does anybody have problems with those? Ugh. Do you hate them? I hate that in me. I'm telling you, when my mouth speaks gossip, I just go, Ugh, I hate that, God. Would you close this mouth? Don't let it do that again. I hate it. I hate it when I think a judging thought. I hate it. I hate that in me. Because I don't want you to do that to me. Why would I do that to you? Why would I judge you with my pointed finger? Why would I gossip about you? Because I hate if you do it about me. God hates it too. And he asks us not to do it. And he says, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Again, the hungry and the oppressed. Then again, he says, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide all your ways. Do you need God to guide you? He's saying he'll do it. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. And this group knows a sun-scorched land. You live in one, and do, you are now experiencing what God does in a sun-scorched land when he pours out a blessing. True? Green water everywhere. Everything's so beautiful. I get a million pictures a week of how beautiful this sun-scorched land has become because God has poured out his blessing. And he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden. Like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will, will rebuild the ancient ruins and you'll raise up the age old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. I like that name, repairer of a broken wall. That's actually a cool name. Repairer of a broken wall, restorer of the street and dwellings. Would you like to be called that? Would you like to be known as the person that comes in when things are broken, when lives are destroyed, and that you give your everything for that to be repaired by our Heavenly Father? That you would be known as the person where everything's been devastated and you've got a great idea of how this can be built back up? You have these creative, wonderful ideas how you can start a whole new ministry in an area. How incredible. And then he says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath. Sabbath is our day of God focus, God delighting. And from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, children, when you wake up on Sunday and your mom and dad are going, get up, we're going to church, and you go, ugh, do I have to? I know nobody in this church has ever said that. Saying, if you call the Sabbath a delight, if you wake up and go, yes, I get to go to church today. Thank you for asking me, Mom and Dad. This is awesome. Wouldn't that be amazing? Could you imagine waking your kids up like that and they said that? What a delight, Mom. Thanks for asking me to go to church. I am delighted to join you. And the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way, 
and not doing as you please and speaking idle words. Setting a day aside to focus on our Heavenly Father. Setting a day aside for it to be all about Him. Setting moments aside all about Him. This is what we're going to be doing. We're setting actually a month aside to make it about Him. That every day you're saying, this is your day, Lord. This is going to be all about you today. And then one more then. Then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I think what I love about this chapter, I was telling Brian yesterday, I love that it's not Old Testament, uh, if you do this, then I will do this, that sometimes we claim, and it's, it's like, if you keep all my commandments, then I will bless you, and I'll heal you, and all that. It's not that. He's actually telling us that if we make him our focus, and we have compassion on his people, then you will find your joy in the Lord. Do you want joy in the Lord? Chapter 58 of Isaiah. Joy in the Lord. These measures are actually the formula to have joy. When we do this, we have joy. When I wake up in the morning and I say to Jesus, would you be my joy? Would you give me joy? Will you fill me up with joy? I ask him that every single morning. I ask that of the Lord. Sometimes I have to ask it several times before I start feeling the joy of the Lord. But always, it's exactly this. When I put Jesus forefront in my mind, that he stays there, I know he's with me, he's walking with me, and I'm talking to him, then this joy of the Lord becomes my life. It becomes my day. It becomes my hope. It becomes my everything. Can you imagine joy in the Lord alone? No matter what happens in your day, no matter if your dog has to be put down this week, that you can still cry, but know your Heavenly Father's still on this throne. When you say goodbye to all your family, you know your God is still on his throne. When you have losses like some of you have had, some of you have lost this week, and you have cried, the joy of the Lord is still your strength. Can you imagine that? Some of y'all have really had some big losses, but you still have experienced, as you cry, you've experienced the joy that God gives you as you do that. Loving God, loving his creation, being God to other people, being hands and feet and mouth to those God loves is what he's asked us to do. So how do we do this praying and fasting thing this month? Again, I'll give you the, the way we do it here. It's between you and God how you're going to do it. Brian and I don't ever do it the same way. I just find out how he's doing it, and we try to plan food around the, our two different ways of going about our fasting and praying. In a family, you might decide to do it a certain way. I ask children to also be involved in it. I think children need, I wish someone would have taught me as a child how to fast and pray. So involve your children, involve different people, uh, and ask them if they want to join them, you in this. It should mean something to you, that whatever you're giving up. Um, 
If you love breakfast, maybe that would be the time that you would let go of breakfast and just don't eat a breakfast and that you spend that time praying and talking to the Lord that you would have taken uh, preparing the food, lunch, supper, you can do that. You also can just leave out certain foods. Sibylla leaves out... She leaves out vegetables. No. What do you leave out, Seb? Sugar. Because that is what she craves. And... What I love about it, so I need to tell you this. When I'm a sugar addict, I love sugar. It's my fave. And I will choose it any day over a steak. If you give me a brownie and a steak, I'd take a brownie any day. I love it. And so when I give up sugar to start talking to God about something, it doesn't feel like I'm having a problem. It just keeps triggering me to talk to God. It just keeps sending me straight to God. So it quits being like misery. It becomes joyful. Oh, I want a brownie? Let me talk to God about that. And then I talk to God about the things I'm praying about because it keeps reminding me, sugar addicts, we stay sugar addicts all the way through the fast, I promise. It never goes away. What is yours? If it's Brussels sprouts that you're going to give up and you really hate Brussels sprouts, that doesn't count. So choose something that takes you back to God. Choose something that you would go, ah, this, I'm praying, I'm giving this to the Lord. Choose the things that you actually enjoy, supper, coffee. I have a friend that gave, gave up coffee, and I said, how in the world? So if it's coffee, something that makes you go back to Jesus several times a day, maybe all day long, write it down. Maybe share it with someone. Uh, Hunger makes you rationalize why you shouldn't really be doing this. So write it down and tell somebody, these are the things I'm going to be doing. Plan. Plan for your events. Plan for your birthdays. Plan for your um, celebrations that you have so you're not feeling like, oh, gosh, I can't do this. If you have a birthday, uh, Colin's birthday is in this month, and we always used to tell Colin, let's plan to eat cake together on the 10th. And I always had that as part of my fasting plan was to party with Colin on his birthday. So if your birthday is this month, plan for it and and include that as part of your celebration. Uh, Determined to enjoy it. Don't get grumpy. Don't get hangry. Enjoy it. Actually remind yourself this is a positive thing. Enjoy praise and thanksgiving each day. Make that a part of your day. Don't forget to be thankful. Don't forget to praise God. Don't forget to stop and see the sunset or the sunrise. Don't forget to watch the birds like the one that was back there inside. How beautiful. Don't you think that's amazing that a bird comes in and just... I just think that's awesome. It's great. So don't forget to say thank you, Jesus. I would keep thank you, Jesus journals all the time. And I just number them. One, two, three. And they just say the things that I'm thankful for. And I'm going to put the chirpy bird in my sermon on my page because I think that's awesome. So be sure to put Thanksgiving. Um, Remember to include what we're praying together as a church family because that's going to be fun when God answers our church's prayers. Write out your prayer requests and write out who you're praying for. You can just write them all out. I was looking Friday, and I found that I had written... um, for my granddaughter, Charlotte, who wasn't even born yet. And her name was already Charlotte. We knew it was her. And as I wrote this, I asked God, 
as he was weaving her together in her mom's womb, would he put inside this child an obedient heart? Would he put inside her a desire to know him at a very young age? Would he put inside her joy? Would he make her a light in a dark place? My Charlotte is six years old now, and I got to go keep her uh, last year. They're homeschooling, and she's doing, um, she was sitting on her little iPad, and she had her headphones on like this, and she's watching her, her lesson. And she does like this. She's got one tooth missing in the front. Takes an earphone off, off like this, and she says, Oh, me, I just gave my heart to Jesus. Put her earphones on. Went, what? So I went and pulled her earphones off. I said, what did you say? She said, the teacher here on the screen just said, if we don't know Jesus, we just need to pray with her this prayer. And I just asked Jesus to be my Savior. Yeah. And that child is an obedient child. And she is a crazy child. She gives joy. She laughs like a crazy person. She could be a party girl. If y'all remember the party girls where we laugh <laughs> like crazy girls, she could be one. She's a joy giver. I was looking at this page. I'd forgotten about it. Everything I wrote on there, Charlotte is. Every single thing that I was asking God to weave into this beautiful child six years ago, God did it. Basically seven years. She's almost seven. Seven years ago, God has done these things. Make plans as a family. Plan to limit outside distractions like your social media. You saw that. Gaming, TV. I'm not telling you not to do it, but limit it. Make a plan how that's not going to distract you from things of God. Get excited about what God wants to teach you. Get excited about what God wants to do in our church. Pray for our church Pray that God would use this church in this country, that we would be a church that God says, go forth, church, go do it. I'm your rear guard. I gotcha. Pray that God would do this in our church family. What do we pray about? Ask God to teach you to pray and to hear his voice. Find out God's heart on matters that you're praying for that you don't really know what to do. Ask him about that. Pray for freedom from that same old pesky sin that you keep doing over and over again and irritates the crud out of you. Ask him to free you of that. Freedom from destructive thoughts, addictions, unforgiveness, gossip, complaining, anything that you're just plain sick of. Ask God to give you freedom from that. Ask God for strength to stand firm against uh, temptation. Insight how to get away from it if you need that. Ask God to help you to grow in your relationship with him. Ask him to help you to put him first. Pray for the salvation of your friends and family. Beg God for that. <clears throat> Ask God if you're the one that's supposed to be talking to him. You are, by the way. He will tell you so, that you're the one that's supposed to talk to him. You're the one that's supposed to call him. You're the one that's supposed to leave a voice message. Pray about it. Pray for your children, <clears throat> your grandchildren, to walk with Jesus. Pray that they'll come back to Jesus. Some of our children are not walking with Jesus, and they know him. Beg God to bring our children back. 
When God seems far away from you and you remember that sweetness of that close time, ask him to draw near. Ask him to help you physically feel him draw near. Ask him for physical healing. He might say no, but he might say yes. My son Chad, my youngest, last, uh, in 2019, he contacted me. In, uh, in 2002, I started experiencing severe pain in my neck, as most of you know, and um, ended up having uh, a surgery in 2015, but was told it wouldn't take care of the pain. It would just save my life. And so the pain has always been there, and it's been a part of my life for, since 2002. And um, so bad that m- most nights I would wake up lots during the night, and a lot of nights I'd lie there and just cry and talk to Jesus. Every morning I'd wake up and hold my head and ask Jesus, would you help me not throw up? It, was so, it would make me so queasy in the morning. And I'd ask Jesus, would you help me do this day? Would you be my joy? So in 2019 in February, Chad, my baby boy, says, Mom, I'm going to start fasting and praying for you on Thursdays, every Thursday. And he says, and I just realized in February next year, so last year, it's going to be, and so this is an American way of doing dates, 02-20-2020. He said, what a fun day. I'm asking Jesus to heal you, 02-20-2020. And I thought, how sweet. That's sweet of my boy. So every Thursday, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon while I was doing my day, I'd get a text from this son and say, Mom, I'm, I'm praying. I'm asking Jesus to heal you. Is it helping yet? And I'd write Chad back in and say, it's really been a hard day today, Chad, but thanks for praying. Every Thursday, every Thursday, every Thursday. So we get there in December of 2019. And Chad says, how's your neck, Mom? I said, it's, it's really bad. It just seems like it's getting worse and worse. I had started doing where I felt like I was falling, which was what had led to the other surgery. I'd start feeling these catch-myself fallings. And I thought, that means it's going to have to have surgery again. I I started feeling this fear that I was going to have to do that surgery again. So January comes, and Chad says, Mom, I'm still praying. And he says this, Mom, are you praying? No, Chad, I'm not. Because I had prayed a lot for my neck, and God never said yes. And so I got to where I just lived with it, and I would say, God, this really hurts. Would you help me do this day? And that's the way I've lived for many, many years. And Chad says, why aren't you asking him? And I said, I don't know. I I think I've just gotten used to it, that this is life. And he says, well, you've got to start asking. We don't have much time. So I sat before God and asked him to forgive me that I had not even asked. So Chad says, sorry, Chad says, Mom, on 
2020-2020, come have breakfast with me before I go to work, and let's see what God says. And I said, okay, I'll buy McDonald's. I'll bring us McDonald's. So the week before 02202020, I wake up and I go, huh, what in the world? My neck doesn't hurt this morning. So I call Chad and I say, Chad, my neck doesn't hurt today. He said, no way. And I said, let's just see. Next day, I wake up. My neck doesn't hurt again. And on 02-20-2020, we ate McDonald's and celebrated that God had removed my pain. About two months later, the feeling like I was falling also went away. So I'm about to hit a year that I have not lived in that pain. I have a son that believed for me because I didn't believe it could happen. I have a son that didn't give up for one solid year, given a Thursday to go without food from Wednesday to Thursday night, begging God for my healing. I kept telling Chad, if God says no, I'm okay, Chad. I'm really okay because God's so sweet. And Chad says, but mom, I need this. I need for God to say yes. And he did. I don't know why, but it overwhelms me that God said yes. What are you supposed to be praying for? I don't know. But don't take this lightly. We have a God that says to you and me, here I am. Woohoo. I'm listening to you. Please take this seriously. Humble yourself before a mighty God and see what he will actually say. Fill out your prayer cards so we can join you in praying. Please don't forget to do that. If you forget, text Sibylla or text me or Rico or Brian, and we'll put you in on that. In Joel 2, it says, Blow the trumpet of Zion. Declare a holy feast. Call a sacred assembly. Blow the trumpet. Anybody got a trumpet they want to blow? Blow it. Do y'all have one? Blow one. Y'all are terrible trumpet blowers. Yes. We are declaring that this holy people, children, women, men, oldies, youngies, let's declare that our Heavenly Father is bending down to hear what we are having to say to Him. Please get excited. Get excited. God might say no. If He says no, He'll give you what you need to take the no. But what if He says yes? What if our God says yes? Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you hear our cries. Lord, I thank you that you tell us in your word how to come before you in a humble way.
to fast and pray in a way that's pleasing to you, in a way that draws you close, in a way that you listen. Lord, I thank you for our family. I thank you for those that are online, for those that are with us. Lord, thank you that you called each one of us into this fast. Lord, I'm excited. I'm excited for what you're going to do. Lord, we give you permission to do great and mighty things in our lives. Amen. This is Rico Veca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.